Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Beach Season. Oh, man, the I don't know about you guys, but this offseason is actually kind of flying by, especially this draft season. It That's what happens when your team is a consistent Super Bowl champion and when you're going for a three-peat that your offseasons are shortened. But it, it's hard to believe that the combine is literally just around the corner this next upcoming week. Um it seems like the Super Bowl parade and the Super Bowl just occurred, and now we're already, you know, oh, like you blink, and it's and the combine is about to happen. Um, but we're here, so today we're going to preview it. We're going to talk about all things combine, what to look for, some guys to look for, some risers, some fallers, um, you know, and just some combine weird stuff in general. Um, as always, I am uh, I am accompanied by our resident. Um, Raider Heel, um, my homeboy, Kram Dog, Kramer Sansone. Uh, Kramer, what's hot? What's hot, uh, Kramer? The, tell us what's hot in the world. This is our new this is our new segment, everybody. We're gonna do a new segment called What's Hot with Kram Dog. So uh Kramer, what's hot? So uh, what's hot to begin with? Uh your boy didn't get canceled after week one of us posting out uh, this season of each season. But uh going down under with what's hot. WWE Elimination Chamber just happened at 4 o'clock in the morning, United States time, Central time here. And it was amazing. Uh, uh, the Rhea Ripley mommy, who is from Australia, was able to defend the Women's Heavyweight Championship over there and retained. It was awesome. Mommy's awesome. And, I mean, I'm a believer of mommy, Rhea Ripley. I'm, I'm a wrestling Crikey. nerd. I'm a wrestling nerd, though, so that's it. Crikey, that's uh. That's something to throw on the Barbie if I ever thought it. Crack of Fosters to that one. Oh yeah. Uh, and today, thank you, thank you. That is so hot. That is that is so very hot. hot. Thank and you. Rhea Ripley thank you is that. hot too. Oh, you say hey, I'm a can't confirm, man, but can't confirm. I mean, she's she's no Halle Berry. That's true. This is Halle Berry show. This yeah. is the official. Uh, this is the official um, draft podcast of Halle Berry. The official Halle Berry draft podcast. Um, so we will not have anybody besmirching Halle Berry's name on this podcast, and we will be talking about her as much as possible as it relates to the NFL draft. Um, Agreed. Speaking speaking of somebody who is hot, are, we are joined today by one of the preeminent film geniuses in in the game today, the the co-host of the AP Draft Room with with Ron Cop. One of our one of our head film film gurus, Caleb James, is here with us today. I don't know I don't know how we 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 talked to his people and talked to his agents and got him on this show because he was a hard get, you guys. He is a highly in demand, and I don't know. I didn't even think we had the budget for it to be honest. I didn't think we had the budget to land him, but we lucked out. We I, my kids are not going to college anymore. They're all going to have to work their way through school, but it was worth it to get Caleb 
on this episode. Caleb, welcome to this episode of Beach Season, man. I, we are so happy to have you. Nah, thanks for having me on, man. I uh, I heard from Ron that you made a comment on this show last week that we're supposed to be the smart show and you guys are supposed to be the funny show. So I don't know. I guess I guess we're going to have some fun tonight though with this. I don't know if we're supposed to be the funny show. More that like we're okay with celebrating our failures. And we think a lot of people take themselves too seriously. And we know that we're not going to be smarter than you guys. So it's like, it's like, you know, you're not going to be the valedictorian. So you might as well at least be the class clown and get a couple of things right every now and again. Yeah. So, we know our role. <laughs> we know we're just, we're just leaning into it. Uh, but uh, Caleb, are you a big WWE fan? Not really. No, to be honest with you, I've never really watched any of that stuff too closely. <laughs> I mean, I, right. I, I broadcast it for a living too, so I mean that's cool. <laughs> I'm See, always around go. the wrestling universe, man. It's that's that's my world. Hey, I respect the game. I respect the game. And listen, like I mean, we don't hold it against you because you you watch film and you actually study real sports, You're like an actual like like where it's where well, I mean, everybody thinks the NFL's fixed. So let's be honest. Like maybe we're all just just studying theater, but. Uh, there's at least like a plausible deniability that what what we study isn't isn't predetermined right so i mean basically what i do is like the fan fiction stuff because the nfl's got their whole script and then me and ron we have to like come up with the actual stuff on the side that you know just for the people you know like the side stories and all that speaking of fan fiction this is a total tangent before we actually get into draft talk did you know that 50 shades of gray was originally twilight fan fiction isn't that kind of no. wild just to think about? Yeah, Fifty Shades of Grey started out as Twilight fan fiction. Hmm. And they made a lot of money off of that. Got the XXX uh, content out of it, too. Listen, I would I would write the crap out of Twilight fan fiction if it turned into a three-movie deal that made me that much money. Like, I'll, I'll, I, I am not above writing anything. To make that much money. What I'm curious though, before anything we get going on this, is how'd you figure this out, Rocky? Like, what are you looking up? Obviously, I was reading Twilight fan fiction. Okay, so, you, so, you, so you're a, so you're a Twilighter. Is that you? No, I'm not a Twilighter. I I can't remember what it was. I was doing some research for something else, and I came across it on the internet. Somebody was talking about it. Um, I am a tried and true Swifty. And Halle Berry fan, like I can, I can, I can't be like a Twilight, Fifty Shades of Grey, Halle Berry, Swifty. Like, come on, like I am a forty-two-year-old married man with children. I can only like so many questionable fandoms before, like you know, people start looking at me just a little bit cross-eyed. It's never and too so, late to add more, buddy. It's never too late. Honestly, just lean into what you like. Like, like if you like it, you like it, and if people don't like you because you like it, uh, screw them. Right, like that's that's kind of my thought. That's fair. Um, Caleb, before we get started on actual football talk, because this is a football draft podcast, uh, what's the what's the one weirdest thing that you like that people don't know about? Hmm. Oh man, on the spot with the weirdness right away. Um, I I don't know. Um, I guess some people have told me that like some of the things. 
I eat are a little bit adventurous sometimes. There's a good, you know, there's some pho shops around where I live. And I always make sure when I get a bowl of pho to get some of the tripe, which is the intestine that's all cleaned out and everything. It actually adds a really nice texture into the food. So I've been called disgusting for eating that before. But honestly, I'm like, get a little adventurous with some of the things you try here and there. 100%. I'm all about adventurous eating and eating guts and anything else. If it's on the menu, man, I'll try it. Years ago, I was in uh, Morocco and Tunisia and I tried camel hump. Um, I'll let you guys in on a little secret. It's not good. <laughs> doesn't taste good like if you ever thought if you ever looked at a camel, like nobody i don't think in history has ever looked at a camel and said man that looks good that looks tasty so it's it literally looks, the hump. you literally ate yeah the hump. It, yeah it tastes as good as it looks like 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 the hump doesn't however look you good. no however you think a camel hump is gonna taste that's what it tastes like Does it taste a little sandy but, yeah it's just it had like a little bit of hair on it it was kind of really fatty just like a big fatty big thing. piece of cartilage and, yeah, it was it was disgusting. Like, I mean, if I had an opportunity, I never tried it. I would try it all over again because you know adventurous eating. But like, yeah, not never never once am I craving camel hump in my entire life. Um, but we digress. We should get in some actual football here, guys. Before uh, Pete and Steve cancel us two weeks into the season. <clears throat> um, so before we get started, though, I do want to talk a little bit. We, we talked last week about um, Legereus Sneed and Chris Jones's contracts. And I I put something out on Twitter this week. And the moment I put it out on Twitter, I knew I was going to catch some smoke, you know, from Chiefs Kingdom about it. And I simply said, given Legereus Sneed's age and his draft position and given his history of knee injuries, I hope for his sake that he doesn't get franchise tagged. And if the chiefs aren't going to offer the chiefs are not going to offer him at least four years, 80 million with like 50, 60 guaranteed. I hope they don't franchise tag him. He's allowed to go get that somewhere else. And let me tell you that was offensive to a lot of people in chiefs kingdom. And I get it. Like we, like we cheer for the, we cheer for the logo on the side of the helmet and the name on the front, not the name on the back. When a when a player leaves this team, we're Chiefs fans. That's who we side with. That's where our loyalty sides. It's not with the player, and I'm the same way. Um, but that being said, on a personal level, there's nobody in the world who has been through more in their life, who's overcame more in their life, and and for him to have an opportunity to get generational life-changing money. Yeah, okay. The the salary tag is 1 year 19 million dollars. That's that's generational. That is I'm not stupid. That's more money than I'll ever see than hopefully you hopefully you guys see that money someday. I won't ever see it. Um and that's life-changing money. But let's not pretend that that 19 million and 80 million are the same thing, right? And that they're not going to offer different opportunities for a family and somebody's life. Um, and the idea that I say that I hope he gets that doesn't mean that I think that Brett Veach should do that. Like, let's get that straight as well. This is all just my personal hopes for Legereus need and his personal family. And there's a lot of people in the world who like to call themselves capitalists and they're all about capitalism and open in a free market. 
until you start talking about the players having to open in a free market to go out and try to get what they're worth and get what, and get as much money as possible. And suddenly they're like, they should be happy with $19 million. Like how dare they want something more than $19 million. So I, I don't make 19 million. Yeah. You don't make $19 million because you can't play press man coverage against Tyreek Hill and shut him down twice in a season. Like if you could do that, you would make $19 million, but you can't, you have, you don't have the skill set, right? Like I can't, go on the Eras tour and sing a 10 minute version of all too well pitch perfectly like Taylor Swift can, right? Like I can't sit there with those, with those beautiful eyes like Caleb James has on the AP draft show and just seduce half of America with, with my stunning good looks like Caleb James does. I don't have that gorgeous smile that Kramer Sansone has. Like I'm an ugly human being and I've come to grips with it. Um, no, but, you're not uh, rocking. Stop. <laughs> I just want Legarius Need to have be as successful as possible. Um, Caleb, what's your what's your take on the Legarius Need situation? No, nah, man, I, I like that you brought up like some of the stuff with his uh, backstory, some of that stuff. I, I wish the Chiefs would pay him, just because I think it sets a good example and it sets the tone for how things go in the organization in general. Like he came in. He hasn't said a word, you know, about any sort of contracts to the media. He's kept all that very low key, um, you know, and he was a guy they drafted in the fourth round. He wasn't like highly, you know, he wasn't highly touted out of Louisiana Tech by any stretch of the imagination. And through the work he did with Steve Spagnola and Dave Merritt and the entire coaching staff, you know, he turned himself into what should have been an all pro corner. You mentioned him locking up not just Tyreek, but he's locking up everyone, you know, any receiver that they've sent his way. And if you just think about like the message the Chiefs want to send, you know, I I get the feeling that sometimes they like put off the message like, oh, we're not paying anyone unless you're like Mahomes or Kelsey or if you're like the all world guy. But I do think at some point they do have to start bringing back some of their in-house options, right? They do have to start bringing some of these guys back to, like, let these guys know, you know, you will be rewarded eventually for doing the right thing. You know, the franchise tag is going to benefit the team more than anything. Um, it's not going to benefit Legereus Sneed, the individual, though. And he's still going to make a lot of money off of the tag, but it's not like you said that general that general, the generational wealth that he's going to be able to pass down to his family and be able to set them up for the rest of their lives also. So, I mean, it's definitely a tough situation. I know we all want to see Snead back in the uniform, but I do agree with what you're saying, Rocky, that if they're not going to make a long-term commitment to him, you know, it's, it's a dangerous sport. It's a violent sport. It could be, you know, one play, and then he may never be the same cat ever again after that. So, I mean, I'm all for it, man. I, I want to see all those guys get paid the best they can. I've been on the camp though with luxurious Sneed this entire time. Like I want this guy to either get paid somewhere or get brought back to the Chiefs because this guy's done so much for this team. I mean, Caleb said he's locking down people. Granted, I know he's his penalties were up, but were those guys scoring touchdowns still? No, no, they were. He was. That's why you have an, a, an awesome defense put around Legere Sneed. They didn't even score points, or it was a field goal. It's like that's why this defense was so good. It started because of a guy like Legere Sneed being a game record in the secondary. Well, yeah, and I mean, you talk about the penalties, but I think that Steve Spagnuolo, he said it multiple times, he's spot on. It's just the cost of doing business. When you're lining somebody up against their, they're following around number one wide receivers week after week after week, and you're playing press man coverage, it's, yeah, his timing is off sometimes, and he misses with the striker. His hands get a little high, 
or he gets a little grabby downfield. Uh, but those are all things that you live with and that you would rather have him do. Would you rather have him get a holding penalty or give up a 50 yard touchdown pass? Like that's like, like, yeah, you live with that. It's the cost of doing business. Uh, don't you think Caleb, like, like, are, like th- are the penalties a concern for you whatsoever when it comes to Snead? For me, not so much. There's never been a harder time in football to play defensive back than there is right now because the game's been changed from, you know, just a rule standpoint to want to benefit the offenses and the quarterbacks. These guys, I mean, they have, I mean, playing corner in the NFL is ridiculously hard. That's why, you know, you're going to see if he gets, you know, if he doesn't get tagged, you're going to see a giant number thrown out there. Like, you're gonna get your you'll take a 15 yard penalty to keep the six off the board or keep that explosive play off the board because it is hard, man. 20 years ago, you know, those guys didn't have to deal with the kind of rules that these guys in the secondary do now. I mean, you can't even really, I mean, they can't even have people in the secondary who like lay fear into people. Like, I would like to see like 20 years ago, Legarius Need probably be a guy in the middle of the field you don't want to cross on any given play, especially when he's in the slot there and you got some of those smaller guys coming through there. So like, man, y'all said it's the price of doing business, but, I mean, if you're not giving up the big play, if you're consistently frustrating a guy, because you got to remember also when those guys are sitting there and he's holding them, that's still frustrating to those guys because they want to be catching the ball. That's where they make their money at. You know, they're not getting paid to be, you know, you know, have Snead grab a hold of them and not get anything. And if the ref throws the flag, he throws the flag. That's a, that's a great point. Listen, those, those wide receivers, you want to get in their head, like holding penalties will still get in a wide receiver's head because a 10 yard penalty doesn't show up on their stat sheet. Like, like there, nobody has a bonus for, for accumulating 10 holding penalties and in a season, no, they get it for going over a thousand yards or X number of touchdowns. Right. And so, so wide receivers don't want you to hold them, you know? And so you're definitely getting in their head. That's a great, great point, Caleb. And, and you've talked brought up what we kind of talked about last week of why we thought that this Chiefs defense this past year was alleged was an all-time defense is because never before has it been harder to stop the passing game and to play defense in the NFL, especially at cornerback where it's such a reactionary position. Everything you're doing is reactionary, right? Like you like like you have an idea what they're gonna do, but you don't really know until the play starts, you know. I mean, and and you're just reacting to it. Um so I mean, I'm I'm 100% with you. What do you think, Cream? Heck, I'm 100% with you too. I I, I love Snead, man. This guy has done so much for this Chiefs defense without him actually being. It's funny with him though because he's more of a talker on the field and outside. He's like he's just smooth, chill, cool as can be. And you wouldn't know he has that mentality until you see him out in the field. And I mean, he he brings it. He brings it. I, so whatever Snead's gonna get gets. Assuming he's going to get paid, I'm hoping he gets paid. He deserves it. Talking about him getting paid, like something that kind of ties into that a little bit, um, is the salary cap actually went up, you know, this past week. It's it's, it's more than we uh, anticipated that it would be. Um, it's up to 255.4 million, the highest it's ever been in the NFL, which actually is good for the Chiefs because they have an estimated 20, like a little bit over 28 million dollars and salary cap. And so if you're looking to uh, re-sign a guy like Legereus Need or to sign Chris Jones, um, obviously you still think they may still convert some of Mahomes' money into a bonus and maybe extend him to kind of free up some cash. And there's a lot of things you can do to do that. But the 
the Chiefs' ability to re-sign these guys um, just got better with that number. I think I think if you're ever at one Arrowhead Drive, that's a number that you really like to see come out of the NFL um, this this past week. Wouldn't wouldn't you guys agree? Oh yeah. Yeah, and so oh, yeah. No, um, there's no reason for like I mean everyone's going to agree with this because you actually have the, the capability if you wanted to sign Snead or to sign Jones, you have that capability right now. I mean, granted, you have to have restructure some things, but you you have you have more you have more wiggle room. That's what you need is wiggle room. Yeah, and with the cap going up like it is, I'm starting to wonder if we're starting to see some of the impact from like legalized sports wagering and all that stuff from DraftKings starting to kind of creep its way into like the actual forefront of like the teams and everything. Be nice if in Missouri you could do that. That might possibly help things out. But, you know, I know there's probably a lot of salty 49ers fans that made some dumb money line bets out there here a few weeks ago. And now the, uh, you know, they're starting to get some of that money back. Oh, 100 percent And uh I I'm I'm a fan of 49ers fans making stupid bets. 49ers fans, Raiders fans, let them all just make the stupidest bets on the face of the planet. Because I don't know if you if you guys heard this or not, Kramer. Kramer Sanso, our what's resident Raiders what's fan. Going, what's going oh, on? Oh, Antonio Pierce has Jordan rules for Mahomes that are suddenly gonna work because of one Christmas Day game that they won when the Chiefs played the worst possible game that they've they've ever ever played and the Chiefs team I, I Chiefs think team the that's Chiefs, gonna be completely different next year. Yeah, okay, go ahead. I have your Jordan Chiefs, rules. I think the Chiefs need to thank the Raiders for that. The Chiefs need to thank the Raiders for their Jordan rules? Yeah. Explain. I mean if you go back to Christmas Day. I think the Chiefs need to thank them because that was their last loss of the entire year. If it wasn't for that loss, then the Chiefs probably presumably went win the Super Bowl. There's no I other logic to think that way. I Can think we just get right one this, thank you? In this, no, you can't get a thank you. I think the Chiefs woke up. We let them up, use their practice over. facility too. I think that the Chiefs, like, like it was like a night after like being out too late on the town and drinking too much. The Chiefs woke up the next day and they were like, what the F Too was much eggnog like, on what? Christmas Eve? Yeah, what did I do last night? Like, oh, I'm never doing that again. And then they decided to never do that again and win the Super Bowl. Caleb, should we be thanking the Raiders for – for us playing horribly on Christmas. I don't know if it was anything the Raiders did more. So it was what the chiefs didn't do. I I got, I was at the game on Christmas, you know, could have gone to the family function. No, blew that off, went to Arrowhead with the boys. And I don't know, man, that was just like, I'd never seen the chief's body language like it was that day. And they still had a chance to win late in the game. Like they tend to do with Mahomes. My big thing with the Raiders saying they've got the rules now for beating Mahomes, I'm like, well, that's kind of what has always happened when the Chiefs have struggled or lost games. Teams are going to get after him. They're going to lay a little extra contact on him at the end there. Um, the Ravens were doing that in the AFC title game. It just didn't work out so well, and they got flagged for it. If you're going to just go out and say, yeah, we're going to use this rules on Mahomes, you, I mean, I don't know if I would have done that if I were them because now – you know, Andy Reid's going to be coming up before the game they play next year. And he's going to be like, uh, you want to maybe watch these late flags. They might be trying to hit our guy and it could possibly lead to more penalties for the chiefs. But I mean, if that's the Raiders cost of doing business, we'll take that. A hundred percent. 
And we'll move on because, as, as I've said before, this is not a Raiders podcast. We're not going to give the Raiders any more play, especially any positive play. I'll be dead in the ground before this is a, a, a podcast where we start saying good things about the Raiders. So, Kramer, there you go. That was your little Raiders Appreciate nugget. It. Your little, you. Yeah. Enough. Calm down over there. You know, you're getting a little too hot and bothered, you know, because we talked about the Raiders for 20 seconds. Uh, so, the Chiefs did sign – a couple of guys um, this week. They signed uh, safety Tyree Gillespie and the uh, the punk god Matt Ariza. Um, obviously, he's kind of a polarizing figure a little bit. Um, had a legal situation that where it was, ended up being dismissed. Um, but streak, speaking from a solely from a talent standpoint, the guy's got got some juice in his foot, right? Like he's he's got a booming leg, and with with Tommy Townsend being a free agent and and presumably looking for top of market money, um, basically this seems like they're bringing in another guy to to basically say, Tommy, we don't we don't need to pay you top of market money. We'll we'll go another direction um, if we have to. Am, am I off on that? That, that kind of just that kind of seems like what this is. I, I agree, man, and. Uh... You know, uh, Tommy, his uh, representation is Drew Rosenhaus and those guys. I don't know if maybe the Chiefs kind of already know what they're getting into just from the Tyreek deal. But I just, in my head, to me, it, it's probably Veach was like, it's probably not worth our time to even get into negotiations with you. Like, we have other things we have to get buttoned up and taken care of. And, you know, with the situation that Ariza was in, they're going to get him for probably a fairly cheap contract is probably as cheapest league minimum that he can get. And you talk about a guy with all the talent in the world, you know, and how big were the chief special teams this year? My only thing is, I don't know if there's ever been any like records of him being a holder or anything. I'm kind of curious to see what they'll end up doing with that. You know, that's like the most minutia detail we could possibly come up with for this time of year. I don't know if they can get him with Dustin Colquitt this offseason, have him learn a thing or two maybe. But that will be, you know, probably something to monitor as we get into training camp. But dude's got a leg, man. I've, uh, I, I love, I love this guy. Like the punt god, I, he's guys a rocket strapped to his hip. If you thought that Tommy Townsend could boom it, he can too. And what I am concerned about too is what's going to happen on the extra points, uh, the field goal attempts, um, who's going to hold it and whatnot. Because as a special teamer, I know that's all psychological stuff. So I'm curious if Bucker can get through with that. If Winchester does come back as the long snapper, he's still a free agent too. So I'm concerned about that part, but I love this dude. And I love pick up also giving another second chance. Like that's what the chiefs do. They give out second chances. He's going to run away with this one, and he's going to be the punt god for the Chiefs. Oh, man. If he kicks an 80-yarder in the Super Bowl next year, like Chiefs fans, the one. Just, yeah, Chiefs fans just might you know, build a statue outside the stadium based upon one punt in the Super Bowl. Let's be honest. I cannot wait to see him kick in Denver oh, this year. Oh. We could have some sort of record-breaking type deal going down there. 99-yard punt. In Denver. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> Gotta have some wins with that know. one, buddy. Yeah, I know. Okay, so uh moving on. Uh the Dolphins also cut a couple of players this week. Some uh a ch- uh Chiefs uh alumnus, uh Emmanuel Agba 
Uh, still had a little bit of juices last year. I think what he had like five sacks. I think this past season he was a cap casualty as well as Xavier Howard, the former 10 interception in one season guy who has been injured the last couple of years. Um, Caleb, should the Chiefs kick the tires on either one of these guys? Uh, consider bringing them in, seeing seeing what they have left in the tank, or they just or do we feel like they're they're pretty much toast at this point. I wouldn't go with Howard just because I like what the Chiefs are doing with the secondary. I think that their safety room, even though they could lose Mike Edwards, you know, I, I still like what they're doing. You saw Chamari Connor emerge in the playoffs a little bit. Um, with Ogba, I do feel a little bit differently though, just because the Chiefs like they literally don't have bodies at defensive end or defensive line. They've got a lot of pending free agents. If it was someone, you know, a situation where they can make the number work, you're going to have a guy with a lot of NFL experience, experience the spag system. I don't see why that wouldn't work out because, you know, he's just, he'd be just another good, you know, you know, he's not going to be an every down player, but he'd be just another quality depth piece to have up there. Yeah, especially I think with a minute you missing the start of the season, right? You know, his contract kind of being up in the air a little bit. Um, he seems like he'd be a good rotational piece. Um, Kramer, what's your take on it? What are you what I, are you thinking? I, I'm not good with Xavier Howard. I injuries older, slower now. I I'm fine. Ogba though is the interesting one because he's been here before and he knows the system. I wouldn't say all the way well, but you know what? It doesn't take too long to learn spec system, especially if you're a defensive tackle. Go block that uh, stuff, the run, get to the quarterback, do what you need to do, do your job. They need bodies. Like, that's the Chiefs need a defensive tackle presence. And I mean, I'm not saying if Chris Jones is going to be there or not. I mean, if I wouldn't want your backup to be Emmanuel Ogba and you sign him, now he's going to be number one. No, you need to have a rotation of guys adding Ogba to this rotation. And if you also get Chris Jones back as well, that defensive tackle room is just going to be absolutely fantastic for the Chiefs. Awesome. Yeah. So go get him. Go get him. Go get him. All right. You have the beach season seal of approval, Brett. If you're, I know you're listening and you're watching out there and you're kind of wondering what to do with Emmanuel Agba. Well, you have it here. We, we approve. So go ahead and go out and, uh, and bring him in. Uh, moving forward, switching gears a little bit. Let's talk draft guys. This is a dra- primarily it's an off season podcast in general, but we talk a lot of draft here and one of the biggest events of the draft, arguably the, the biggest event other than the draft itself is the NFL combine. Um, historically, the NFL combine was, 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 was created as a way to come in and get medicals on guys, right? Like back in the day, like you, like you, you really, before the advent of the internet and everything, there wasn't a lot of information out there about these players and teams wanted to see these guys firsthand. They wanted to get their measurements, look them over, make sure they were healthy uh, before they drafted them. And that's kind of why you had the combine originally it was really it was originally a medical event and then they they had the testing that they added in as well now these days with with the internet and with so much information um the testing plays a huge part into it these days we know that um but also let's be honest college teams lie about medicals a lot a lot of players play injured a lot of guys don't have the like they add three inches to their height 15 pounds to their weight you know, team like like there isn't a required injury report in college football. So, you know, for instance, um, like that you'll have like there was that what was that guy with um Ole Miss last year? Um, Trey Harris the third. He he had a knee injury and then he played 
the next week. Like he had knee surgery and then played the next week. And it was never actually, I, I, I searched high and low. I never saw any report that actually listed what the actual injury was other than just general knee injury and surgery. Like, you know, and so that's kind of what you're walking into with a lot of these guys who play college football. So the NFL, NFL teams want to get them in there. They want to get their doctors with eyes on them. And then they want to get, get actual measurements on these guys. Now, one thing I do take a little bit of, of umbrage with is the, is the weigh-ins and, and, and the weight that's put on the weigh-ins at the combine. Last year, you saw Bryce Young, the first overall pick. It was a big deal. He weighed in at what, like 204 pounds. Like, oh, he hit that 204 pound marker because he was five foot 10. And everybody knows he played at 185 ish. Like he's, he weighs, he's a 185 pound guy. He's 5'10, 185. You watch him on tape. That's how he plays. That's what he looks like. You watched him with the Panthers this year. That's how he played. That's what he looks like. I don't give two craps if he came in fatter at the combine, stood on a scale, hit 204, and then didn't actually work out because he was at it because he weighed too much. He weighed more. He was going to bring down his 40 time or whatever. Like, no team cares what you weigh at for the most part. They're not weighing you in before games to say, hey, this is what you weigh. Oh, wow. Cut 20 pounds, put on 10 pounds. I don't know if you're going to be able to play at this weight. Like, like there's rare cases where like maybe a guy like a Mackay Becton or something like that is coming in weighing 360 or whatever it was that he was weighing or a Dewan Jones where a team might say like, Hey man, maybe you wouldn't get injured as much if you weighed a little bit less, right? Like the team doctors might be saying that, but in general, like nobody's weighing Travis Kelsey to see how much Travis Kelsey weighs during the season, right? You know, it doesn't matter what you, what you, what you weigh at the combine is what they put on your back of your football card until you're 40, you know, like it's, it's, it's such an arbitrary number that I, it's one of the few things that really sticks, like really, really puts a craw in my saddle that so much weight is put into like how much a guy weighs at the combine. Am I just, I mean, Caleb talk, am I just being too, too much of like a crotchety old man who is just getting annoyed by stupid stuff or is it actually dumb that they people put any credence into these weigh-ins i mean i i do think it is dumb in some regards because you're going to have some offensive linemen or d linemen they're just going to like not eat for two weeks they're going to eat like one meal a day and they're going to come in 20 pounds lighter and their weight's going to fluctuate back up look the the fact that Orlando Brown Jr. got to get away with saying he was like 340 on the roster was criminal for a long time. That guy ain't been 340 since eighth grade. So that's what I'm saying. It's like you said, bro, but it's like the, you know, like what you're saying about Bryce Young gaining all the weight. It's like all these linemen, they're going to go in here and cut because they need to get to like 330 or get to that good number. Like it's going to be back on them by the time they're playing, but that's also their playing weight. That's where they're comfortable at. So, it's just one of those, I mean, it's just one of those weird things for measurement sakes. They just, you know, they want to get as in-depth as possible. At some point, there is there is such a thing as being, you know, looking through the microscope too much. Yeah, Kramer, like, 
like it's like what's what's your take on this? Like, I, like tell I, me, like I, I feel like you're probably on the side of where you're like, oh well, Bryce Young was just improving his draft stock and doing what he had no, to do. I, for I don't care about how much you weigh. I don't care what your height is. What I honestly care less what your forty time is at times. I need to see the game tape, people. Like I do. No, but if I'm looking at this, I don't. I, I I'm not worried about the weight. I'm just not. Uh, if I'm looking at something that is also a part of this, of the draft combine, I'm looking at the bench press. I'm looking at. I am looking at the 40. I am looking at the three cone. That's all I'm looking at. That's all I want to see out of your measurables. If that's the thing that you want to gauge that for, uh, get get this weight stuff out of here. Now, if you are over 370, that might be a problem. But but does it actually matter? Like if you weigh if you play at 370 and you're comfortable at 370 and you're a road grader at 370 and you move well enough to get out and block in space at 370 but we already know the longevity of a person who is 370 probably i mean we really haven't really seen him in the nfl like maybe this was like an early on in the years like before my time even before i was even born probably but we're not really seeing that now there's more of a leaner build to people i mean looking at orlando brown jr i guarantee you he's somewhere around 370 and that's the whole thing is we're like like the longevity it's it's guys in the nfl who weigh that much who are playing at that weight like it's like caleb said it's your playing weight, you know, um, but kind of like Costle kind of piggybacking on what you said, Kramer, like how much stock should we actually put into combine performances? You know, like how, like how important is how fast a guy can run in a straight line in underwear versus how fast he runs with the ball in his hand and tape on tape, right? Like how, like, like, does it matter if a guy can jump 42 inches in the air, like Chris Conley did at the combine, if he can't win a contested catch, you know? So like, I don't know, Caleb, like, like how much, how much stock do you put into the combine performances versus a guy? You know, you got to just find the meshing point between all of them. Cause there are things, you know, for certain positions you want to look at for O-line and D-line. My favorite thing to look at for them is going to probably be the vertical jump and the broad jump. Cause that's going to show the explosion through their hips. And that's going to show how explosive a guy can be off of the snap. I think those are extremely important. I think that gets underlooked. Like, I don't care how slow a guy is the last 30 yards of his 40 who weighs 320 pounds. I want to see how explosive he can be for five steps or for five yards or getting up off the ground. For defensive backs, I do think think a lot of that stuff does matter for the DBs. I think there's just a certain threshold they have to be able to get to to even be able to compete at that league. It's kind of the same for receivers also there but i mean there is a reason i think i mean i call the combine the underwear olympics a lot of time because there are guys that go in there and they're just really good at working out and you know they're gonna go in there and put on a show and raise their draft stock there's guys that aren't the greatest at working out they're gonna go in there and uh you know they're gonna go in there and fall a little bit i i see people pass around those like ras scores raw athletic scores all the time and they're like, uh, it looks like the better athletes are actually better at football. You think? I mean, that's kind of why they're good at football is because they're a good athlete in general. So, yeah, it's going to reflect that on there. And, you know, teams are going to take chances on guys with ridiculous combine stats because everyone thinks that they can coach, you know, they can coach the Hall of Fame inner player outside of these guys. That doesn't always, That usually doesn't work out in the end. But, you know. Like I said before, it's just finding the meshing point, man. There's just there's good things you can take from that stuff. There's bad things you can take from it. You just got to kind of be able to, you know, sift through the information in these teams when they're making these calls on this kind of stuff. 
you know, they're going to revert back to how does this guy fit our system and do we think we can actually coach him in the end? I a hundred percent agree with you. And I think like for me personally, when I'm watching, when I'm scouting a guy, when I'm watching a guy, I feel like the combine can be confirmation of the tape, right? Like if the guy doesn't have the tape, but he, but he runs his, his buns off at the combine, I'm probably not really moving him up my draft board too much further than he already was. But if I'm watching the guy and I'm like, this guy looks really good on tape. This guy is really productive. This guy seems like he's flying all over the field. But is it? But can he do it at the next level against the next level of competition? Does he have what it takes to continue this sort of production and, and to grow and keep on developing in the in the pros? Or has he maximized what he's going to be? Well, you see a guy who had good tape, and then he goes to the combine and he runs a four three nine forty, and he jumps you know forty inches, and you say, "Wow, okay, well this guy has awesome tape, and he's an awesome athlete." That tells me that he probably has what it takes to hang at the next level and to continue to grow and to continue to do better. So I always kind of feel like like the value of the combine is to confirm what you already thought about the guy a little bit, you know? And so, but I mean, so, I mean, so I'm excited for it. I do like the combine. I think it's a fun event. It's a fun event to watch. Um, as we, as we, as we move forward into this week, it starts on Thursday, February 29th. And which also February 29th, we have a February 29th, this year, guys, it is a uh, have third four year. years. Wow, Kramer, what are you doing for your leap year? Uh, going to work, <laughs> have to. Mm. <laughs> Same. What about you, Caleb? What are you doing on leap year? I don't know. I guess just being happy we get the extra day. Guys, be happy with every extra day you get in life. That's that. Take it from our resident film guru, Caleb James. Every day is a gift, and. Just be happy for every extra day you get in life. Um, anyway, first day of the combine, Thursday, February 29th, defensive line and linebackers. Second day, uh, March 1st, defensive backs and sorry, defense, yeah, defensive backs and tight ends. Uh, the third day is March 2nd, running backs, quarterbacks, wide receivers. And then it wraps up on March 3rd with defensive linemen. Uh, let's just kind of go day by day and kind of just talk about who to watch for, possible risers and fallers. And um who the Chiefs fans should kind of keep an eye on as guys in, in the combine. Um, we'll start off with you, Caleb. Who do you got in the combine at defensive line that you think the Chiefs fans should keep an eye on? Man, I am glad you're bringing this up because there are some mutants in this year's defensive line class. And I'm not just talking about like some of these guys like Chris Jenkins, whose nickname is actually the mutant from Michigan. He's going to probably put on a show. But you look across the board, man. I mean, I don't think Jerzon Newton's going to participate because he had a lower – he's getting like a cleanup procedure done, so he'll probably sit out. But you go through Leonard Taylor the third, you know, Mr. Double-teamed every play in the ACC is going to get a chance to show off some of that real athleticism. You're going to have a couple of other guys in there, like the Texas guys, um, Murphy and Sweat. They're going to be in there. I believe they're both going to participate – and uh, I think a guy that could probably raise his stock quite a bit would be like a Masson Smith type. I'm going to be curious to see what he does. If some of those athletic traits, I think, you know, show up on his film, or you're going to be able to see some of that there. But, you know, this defensive line class is going to be, I think they're going to be pretty special. I've been pretty blown away with uh, what I've seen from a lot of them so far. So it'll be fun to see all those guys out there in one in one setting. 
Yeah, Kramer, who you got an eye on? Uh, I'm looking. I, I mean, I'm a Michigan guy at heart, but my uh, Michael Hall Jr. of Ohio State has just he's a, he's good. He's a stud. He's a, he's a guy that you need to double team, and I think honestly, he should be a first round draft pick for some team, but he probably won't probably be in a second rounder. But he's He's going to do good in the NFL, I feel like. He's going to be a solid starter, I feel like. He's a guy who's going to have kind of like that long, solid career um, in the NFL. Um, You touched on two guys that I think the Chiefs fans should definitely keep an eye on, and Chris Jenkins and Leonard Taylor, Um, Caleb James. I think that those those guys are very much in play at 32 for the Chiefs. Um, A guy who's probably not going to in play at 32 for the Chiefs, they'd have to trade on for, trade up for, is Byron Murphy. The second out of Texas, uh, a little bit undersized, but he's he might be one of the strongest guys in the entire draft. Super, super powerful, uh, quick get off. Um, him and Chris Jenkins were both filaments on, on the filaments freak list, you know. And then, um, a guy who we're talking about like guys whose draft stock is going to rise, and we kind of talked about these combine darlings and guys who don't necessarily have the tape to back up, back it up, but they're going to be monsters at the combine. And you're just talking about Gabe Hall here, I think, to a T. Like, he's going to come in and put on a show at the Combine, and some team is going to fall in love with him, and his draft stock's going to go way up because he's going to be strong and fast and agile. And the same also is uh, Rook Orohoro, you know, out of Clemson. Like, that's another guy where he's just super explosive and super and super fast off the snap, and he's go- he looks great coming off the bus. Like, that guy looks awesome coming off the bus and he's going to look great in a pair of shorts. And these are guys that are just going to go out there and just be super electric in the combine. And they don't necessarily have the tape to back it up. And they're not guys that I would necessarily want the chiefs to draft anywhere in the top five rounds, like maybe sixth or seventh round, take a flyer on them for sure. Um, but if they're talking, we're talking at 32, I think that Leonard Taylor and Chris Jenkins are the guys that I'm looking at. And then also another guy who's really interesting, who I don't know if he's going to test super well, but his tape is great, and he's a total gamer. And is Braden Fisk out of Florida, out of Florida State? Like I'm an absolutely, I'm a huge fan of his. And I think the thing that that I think sticks out to me the most about him is that when Jordan Travis went down, leg injury, ACC game, everybody knew that for Florida State's hopes of being in the playoff to stay alive, they had to win that ACC championship, and they weren't going to get a lot of offense. So what does Braden Fisk go out and do? When the lights were the brightest and his team needed him the most, he went out and played the best game of his career and had a multi-sack game and was completely dominant. Um, that game will stick with me throughout this entire draft process. When I think about a guy who I want on the Chiefs, it's a guy like Chris Jones where when you need him the most, he's going to come in and take over a 10-snap streak and just shut down the other team and get you the ball back so that you can go and do something with it and win the game. Um, so before we move off of, of defensive linemen, though, anybody else, any either one of you guys want to, want to hit on? I think, I mean, I think you summed it up pretty good in there. I, I do wish Newton was going to show us something because he is, you know, he's a stud, man. I don't know how he's been falling down some of these draft boards. I know he's got maybe the foot issue. It doesn't sound like it's that serious of a thing, but I'm like, man, his, you know, his pass rush moves are extremely advanced for being a college defensive tackle. You know, and that's actually, so Newton is a guy where if he's in the twenties, I think that you should trade up and, and get him. Um, it's funny because 
I feel like like we talked like a lot of draft analysts. We feel like take themselves too seriously. I also feel like a lot of draft analysts fail to to link number a, point A and point B together. Sometimes they're like, "Oh wow, uh, Jerzon Newton's falling down my draft board because his production fell off towards the end of the season. He wasn't quite the same player in the second half of the season as he was the first half of the season." And then in the same breath, they say, "And he's re- rehabbing a Liz Frank injury in his foot, and he should be good to go by the start of the year." Well, though, duh, his production fell off. The guy had a broken foot. Like, the guy's out there playing through a broken foot, and you're saying he's falling down your draft board because his production went down. Like, okay, like, he is the guy who was who was super productive last year and who was utterly dominant the first half of this year. And so, right, um, man. And it's also, like, they double-team people, too. That's kind of why, like, Leonard Taylor hasn't gotten much run. He's got very low production numbers. There's plays where he's got three offensive linemen touching him, or he's got two O linemen double teaming him, and the backs coming in to help chip on him. Also, it's like those dudes in the ACC, they know they knew before everyone else's. I don't know, man. I, I think evaluating D line and O line is hard now just because of the, you know, the way offenses and defenses are structured in college football nowadays. It's hard to kind of evaluate some of those guys, but you can tell the amount of respect that some of these guys got why they, they should probably be drafted where they are. Oh, 100%. Um, uh, shift, shift forward to the linebackers, Kramer. Who do you got? Who, who should we keep an eye on in linebackers? Um, I don't know if the Chiefs necessarily need this guy, but I feel like he needs to be in every single linebacker's room out there. And that's uh, going into Missouri, Tyron uh, Hopper. Like, I think this guy, he's going to, I think he's going to shoot up a lot of boards. I don't know. Cause he's like, he's tall. He's tall for a linebacker size and about 230. I mean, this is like Nick Bolton-esque, but a bigger version of him. I like this guy a lot. The fact he's also come from Adam Mizzou as well kind of gives me more of that flavor-esque of what Nick Bolton was when he was in college as well. But, man, I feel like he's going to start flying off the boards. I mean, yeah. I mean, and obviously Chiefs fans are always going to love it whenever you get a local Mizzou guy guy in there and we've we've had pretty good luck with drafting mizzou linebackers and so i'm i mean i'd always be even though i'm a ku jayhawk fan i like it when the chiefs draft mizzou guys just because just keep the local guys in bring as many local guys as possible because i honestly do feel like they play harder for the when you when you end up getting drafted by a local team um caleb what, what linebacker has struck your fancy recently i was watching some um you know, the some of the top guys here not too long ago. Um, I, I think Edger and Cooper from AM, he's probably gonna have a real solid day. Peyton Wilson from NC State is probably going to put on a show and probably end up being one of the more highly athletic rated guys in the uh in the class. So, you know, those would be a couple of guys to keep an eye on. I'll be keeping an eye on Jeremiah Trotter Jr. I've had some questions a little bit with some of the film study. Maybe I'm just evaluating it too hard, but I will be curious to see what his actual testing numbers look like. Yeah, and with Jeremiah Trotter Jr., he also has a little bit of size concern too. Like he's not the biggest guy, and so whether or not he can hold up at the NFL level. With Peyton Wilson, like he is definitely a freak of nature when it comes to being an athlete. Um, Obviously, the big thing with him is can he hold up? Can his medicals hold up, right? he's He has a huge injury history. Uh, missed a lot of time, but I saw, I read, I listened to an interview with him recently where he said that basically he has overhauled his entire, like, like diet, his workout, his health regimen, 
everything that he's learned how to take care of his body and he's was able to identify kind of like the problem issues that he was having that was leading to multiple injuries. And he, I mean, obviously it's before the draft. So he's going to say this because he's trying to convince teams that he can hold up, but he seems pretty convinced that he had kind of unlocked the solution to staying healthy and being able to stay on the football field. And if that's the case, then yeah, the guy is a borderline first rounder and a guy, cause he, all he does is fly around the football field and make plays um junior colson out of michigan he's dane brugler's number one linebacker that he has and i see why um the guy the guy was was the heart of michigan's defense and they went undefeated and won the national championship like like the guy can he can kind of do it all he can rush the quarterback if you need him to he can drop back into coverage he's big enough to hold up like he's athletic enough like there's a lot to like about junior colson and then besides that, a guy that Chiefs fans are going to love that's going to be kind of a later round pick is J.D. Bertrand out of Notre Dame. Like he's like he's not a, he's not a top three round pick, maybe fourth, fifth round guy, but he's that guy who where you talk to any of those coaches and they're like, he's a coach on the football field. He's he's the uh, he's the ultimate motivator. He's the ultimate leader. And when you listen to Matt, I mean to Jim Nagy, um, the the director of the Senior Bowl talk, he said that uh, J.D. Bertrand was out there at every single practice encouraging on every linebacker on every single rep and then taking guys aside and kind of talking them through their reps and like saying like, Hey, this is what you did. This is what I saw. Like almost like even like coaching up like his fellow competitors at the senior bowl. So I don't think he's going to be the best tester, but that's definitely a guy that I think that Chiefs fans would like fall in love with just, he'd be their He'd be their camp crush. You know, if he somehow ends up in a chiefs uniform, um, moving forward to day two though, um, defensive backs and tight ends. So it we don't know what's going to happen with Jerry Sneed. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen with the safety room, right? Like Brian Cook's coming back from an injury. We're losing Mike Edwards. It, um, is uh, are they are they going to carry Justin Reed's you know full salary? You know, I think they will. I think Justin Reed is definitely back. But I mean, there's just there's some questions, you know, necessarily in the in the in the in the secondary where the Chiefs could possibly look to bring in another body. Um. And then at tight end, we got to start thinking about life after Travis Kelsey. Like that's just a simple fact. So, uh, Caleb, what do you what do you, what are your thoughts on the defensive backs and tight ends? I think there's definitely a lot of interesting names in both spots. I don't know if it's going to be something the Chiefs would address early or later. Um, you know, sticking with Mizzou, uh, Ennis Rankinstraw, he is going to probably be one of the better corners. I believe he's probably going to be a first round pick. He'll be a guy to keep an eye on. And then for tight ends, um, obviously, you know, uh, Jatavian Sanders from Texas, he's going to draw a lot of the attention. I don't know if the Chiefs will want to go that route early on, but a later round guy, maybe keep an eye on. Uh, maybe like a possible Blake Bell type replacement would be A.J. Barner from Michigan. You know, he's a, he's a good blocking tight end. He didn't really have like a ton of college production, but I think from what I saw when he was – you know, he's got solid hands, but I think he'd be like a good blocking option. Cade Stover could also be a blocking option, tied type tight end. He may go a little too high. That may be like a late day three pickup the Chiefs would be interested in making. Yeah, I, I like those names. The Enos Rakestraw, he is gonna probably go in the first round, but I mean the guy the guy is definitely a baller. Like I like I'm a big I'm a big fan of him. Um 
Uh, Kramer, what do you got? What do you got for defensive backs and tight ends? Like, where's your the, where's your head at on this? Uh, the two dudes that on defensive backs that I just like one, I can't get Kool Aid McKinstry out of my in my head. And I don't know if it's because of the name or the fact of like he could be a smaller version of PS two possibly. I there's there's just something about him that I like. It might just be the name of, in general, but uh, other guys uh, such as like Max Melton of Rutgers, he's a guy that might uh, might be interesting to take a look at. But on on the offensive side of things for the tight ends. I mean, everybody wants Brock Bowers. That's like that's number one guy, but there's no way the Chiefs could possibly get to Brock Bowers unless he falls away down to 32, which that's won't definitely happen. But Eric All out of Iowa, um, he's a, a good uh, pass blocking kind of guy, run blocking as well. He can also catch a handful of uh, catches out there for you. So if you needed him, he's, he might be there also your Blake Bell esque type of guy if you're looking for that too. So that's also another tight end you could look at. And speaking of like uh, the secondary with safeties. This is a guy that's probably gonna he had to be a second round pick at the at the lowest. He might even go top like into the first round. Is Tyler Tyler Newbin, safety Tyler Newbin out of out of Minnesota is just that like Swiss Army knife playmaker. You could line him up in the slide, you can line him up in the box, you can play him on the back end. The guy plays all over, the guy flies to the ball. Um, he's just a complete playmaker in the secondary. Um, not quite to the level that a uh, Cooper DeJean from Iowa is like Cooper DeJean from Iowa might be the, one of the best athletes in the entire draft, right? If he didn't break his foot, he's probably a lock for a top 10 pick. Um, but I think Tyler Newbin safety out of Minnesota is definitely a very interesting name to keep a, to keep an eye on. And then for tight end, a guy that I like a lot that doesn't get much talk is Jaheim Bell uh, from Florida state. Now, he didn't really fit into their offense too great because they already had Johnny Wilson, who's essentially a big slot, right? Like he's a six foot six guy who doesn't move great, who who attacks the seams, right? And that's ex- that's the exact same skill set that Jaheim Bell had. So he's kind of fighting John, you know, uh, Wilson for targets this year. But prior to that, he was at South Carolina. And at South Carolina, they lined him up all over the field. They lined him up in the backfield. I think he had like, 340 yards rushing and like four touchdowns, you know, in 2022 at South Carolina, something like that. And so he's a guy who's just an offensive weapon. He's not going to, he's not going to be an, he's not going to be an inline blocker for you by any means. Like he's a guy who you're going to put in the big slot. You're going to stretch the field with, you're going to send him on some wide shadow crosses. You may be able to hit him on a handoff or two. Um, he's definitely much more of a, uh, what's the name I'm looking for? Who's the guy that got drafted by the, who plays for Atlanta? Who used to, who's a white? Who used to be a first round draft pick wide receiver for, out of Minnesota? I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now. Um, played for the Pats, also wide receiver, converted to running back for the for the Falcons. Cordero Patterson, that's Cordell not, Patterson. That's not Jaheim, Yeah, so Jaheim Bell reminds me a lot of Cordell Patterson, right? Like that's like you want to see a play style type of guy. Like that's. That's that's who who I think Jaheim Bell is a lot like, and he's gonna go later in the draft. He's not he's projected to go somewhere in the one eighties, I think, right now. Like like, and so um, he's gonna test well though, so he's an interesting name to keep keep an eye on. Uh, going into Saturday, March second, we're not gonna talk about quarterbacks as far as Chiefs fans to keep an eye on. We'll talk about quarterbacks at some point on this podcast leading up to the draft, um, but we don't need to draft we don't need to draft a quarterback for ten more years, so. We're not going to waste a lot of time on it today. Uh, but talking about running backs and wide receivers, there's a whole lot. I mean, obviously, this is an extremely deep, deep draft at wide receiver. And there's a lot of interesting names at running back. 
Um, who are some running backs that you think the Chiefs fans should keep their eyes on? And who, and as far as wide receiver, it, even a, a, a bit further, is what what do you think the Chiefs should do at wide receiver? And who's somebody you want to see them target at wide receiver, Caleb? I definitely think they have to take at least one, if not two, receivers in the draft this year. But in the same breath, they also kind of need to replenish the running back room, which I think they should probably look to take the receivers more early on because I do think there's a little bit of talent towards the back end of the draft at running back. Um, I, I like a Donnie Mitchell from Texas. He's been a guy I just kind of like the athletic build. It's you know something they've you know it's something they've been needing. Um, Troy Franklin, his name's been popping up a lot lately. Also, I've been kind of liking what I've seen from him. I think that he would kind of fit some of the speed profiles and Andy Reid's that once in his offense, but he's also kind of got that bigger build for what they've been kind of experimenting with for a few years now, kind of trying to change up how they go in there. Those are a couple of guys I'd be keeping an eye on on the end of day one. And then for running backs, you know, if they go in there late, I'd say uh, this guy doesn't really fit in Andy Reid running back profile, but I do like his film a lot. That's Braylon Allen from Wisconsin. Dude's like 6'2", 240. He's a load, but he can catch the ball. He can move well in space. I mean, that would be kind of – he'd be like a changeup from what the Chiefs usually, you know, from what they have now. And, you know, he's the kind of guy that if they get into a game where, you know, teams are starting to take away the pass, they're not having as much success, they can line up and just pound people with him all game long. He'd be like a nice one-two combo with Pacheco in there. Yeah, no, 100%. Like, Braylon Allen would be the thunder to the lightning, right? You know, like, Pacheco runs hard, but he's not a powerful back. I think that's a misconception that a lot of people have about about Pacheco is he doesn't run with a lot of power. He runs with a lot of anger, but there's a difference there. Um, Kramer, what do you want to see him do at running back and wide receiver, and who's some guys to keep keep your eye on? Uh, wide receiver will start off there. If it's not Lab McConkey, then I don't know who's it going to be. Do not get me started on – Lad freaking McConkey today, Kramer said so. Not you, if, man. Not if, you. If Brian Thomas Jr. is there in the first round, I think you need to go get that guy. Six foot four wide receiver. That can be your true X that you definitely need for your team. I think that, that he might be the best, if not around that area where the Chiefs are picking. I hope he's there for them. Even Xavier Worthy as well. He's not a leaner guy out of Texas. Might have some Zay Flowers in him. I know that's uh I'm happy that the Chargers didn't get Zay Flowers last year, but a thinner guy, some speed, great hands, perfect for them. And running back, the only guy I can think, if he is there in maybe the round three or round four, Blake Corm. He out of Michigan, he finds the end zone. He got a touchdown every single game last year, every single game that I've watched, and he scored every touchdown every single every game this past year. So if you need a guy to get in the end zone, he's he's powerful, got a good waist on him, good thick thighs. Yeah, I. Blake Corum should be the Chiefs' go-to guy and either the third or the fourth. I mean, he's not the biggest guy in the world, but you can't argue with the production. And he and and the thing is, is that he's when you say he's not the biggest guy in the world, what you mean is he's short. He's powerful, but he's short, right? You know, he's like. But you know what? Knew who else was like that was uh, was uh, man. I am I am just drawing blanks on names today. MJD, oh Maurice Jones, Drew. Yeah, there we go. No yeah, I I think we're you, I think we're on the same wavelength right now. You oh, read yeah. my mind, Maurice Jones, Drew. That's who I see when I think of Blake Corum, and uh, Blake Corum just splits splits defenders. He's shiftier than he looks. I'm a big fan of Blake Corum. Uh, myself personally, um, you said Brian Thomas Jr. I think that that's my number one target for the Chiefs at wide receiver. Uh, they're gonna have to trade up for him though. But I honestly. 
like I like Brian Thomas Jr. enough, and I'm as I'm all in on the idea of a three peat that I think I would trade next one's one, next year's one to move up and get Brian Thomas Jr. I I normally I say you don't trade future round draft picks unless you're moving up to get a quarterback, but we have the quarterback. The Chiefs trading up is different than any other team in the NFL having to trade up. And the Chiefs selling out for a title next year is different than any other team selling out for a title because they're trying to do something that no other team has ever done in the history of the NFL, right? And so for that reason, I would trade next year's number one pick if it meant me being able to trade up into the teens and get Brian Thomas Jr. Now, if they're not going to do that and they're going to stay pat, a guy I think I do like Adonai Mitchell a little bit better than Xavier Worthy at Texas. I think he just he runs a little bit cleaner routes. I think that he's a little bit more agile. He comes in out of his breaks a little bit cleaner. Um, other guys that I think the Chiefs should keep their eye on in the second round is Brendan Rice out of USC. You want to talk about a guy who is Patrick friendly? Like if you want to like like if you want to talk about somebody in, who played college football. Now he's not Patrick Mahomes. He'll never be Patrick Mahomes. But the style of football that the guy plays as far as bailing on the pocket, extending plays, it's Caleb Williams. And and that's that's exactly what Brendan Rice – I'd probably say I watched every single touchdown, every single catch that Brendan Rice had this year. I'd say probably at least 60% of his receptions came after the play broke down and he just he just he went and found the open space and made himself available, you know, which is exactly what you need out of a wide receiver. And then it doesn't hurt that hurt that Jerry Rice is his dad, right? Like that's like that that helps that his dad is the greatest is the greatest wide receiver um, of all time. A dark horse guy that the Chiefs fans should keep their eye on is Jermaine Burton out of Alabama. Alabama doesn't do their wide receivers any favors. They spread the ball around too much. They they run the ball. They like to play ball control and lean on their defense. Uh, but given the opportunity, Jermaine Burton was a complete baller. The guy runs awesome routes. He's explosive. He's very subtle in his he's very subtle in, in gearing down and then and then and then and then breaking away and then pitting into another gear. Um, he's an electric athlete. He does come with off-field baggage. There was an incident. Um, last year where he, or I don't know, allegedly he did it. He was walking off the field. He said he was scared, but Tennessee fans ran on the field. And when he was going off the field, he uh, pushed a female Tennessee fan in the face with his hand, kind of like hit and pushed her as she walked away. So he'll have to answer questions about that and and, and convince teams that they can feel comfortable in, in drafting him. But from a purely football standpoint, the guy, the guy's amazing. Uh, and so, um, Caleb, any either any of those guys sound sound interesting to you from a wide receiver standpoint? Yeah, I've been watching Burton for a couple of years now, even before he uh you know transferred to Bama. My thing with him is he's like he does have like that explosion, you know, and the ability to line up. He honestly, I think he'd be who Chiefs fans really wanted Sky more to be more than anything in the Chiefs offense right now. I, I know all that stuff with the off-field stuff that's going to cause him to fall and then just like the production numbers aren't there, but he could end up being one of those guys that, you know, you're looking back in three or four years and go, how did this guy make it to day three? Because he's putting up ridiculous seasons all, all over the place. Oh, 100%. And I, speaking of people who Chiefs fans want Sky more to be, I think Roman Wilson is another one of those guys. Like he was producing like like wildfire and then – Around the time that Jim Harbaugh got in trouble, they stopped throwing the ball. 
and just started running the ball. And up until then, he was, I mean, he was producing like crazy. He still ended the season with 11 touchdowns. And we're talking about the opposite of the whole Jermaine Burton concerns. Roman Wilson in high school, he grew up in, in Hawaii, so he could play football. His dad was a pilot for an airline. And so he would go to the airport every single day and fly standby so that he could fly to the next island over, go to school, go to football practice, and then come back home at the end of the day. Like the guy like flew standby just so he could get to football practice and play football. He's a guy who loves football. So Roman Wilson is another guy. Um, talking, we'll, we'll wrap this up soon. With uh, We'll wrap it up real quick with offensive linemen. Chiefs, Chiefs need to find a, a left tackle. I feel like um, they've been playing this game at left tackle a little bit too much. Uh, one guy, you know, these one-year contracts with with Donovan Smith. Um, what's what should the should the Chiefs draft think, consider drafting a, a tackle at thirty-two? If not, who's a mid-round guy that they should have their eye on, Caleb? I mean, with the uh, O line class this year, I've really not been super impressed with the tackles in general. There's guys at the top of the class who are going to be like your lottery type picks, and they're you know, they're all probably going to end up with solid careers at the professional level. I mean, if they got to a situation where they could maybe trade up, there's two guys I do like that I think they could possibly get up to. I like um, Talies Fuaga out of Oregon State, He but he's only a right tackle, so I don't know how that would work out, but I've been impressed with him. I think he's a physical road grader. And then, uh, you know, J.C. Latham, he's been, you know, highly touted around the kingdom for most of this draft cycle. Um, he's very impressive, physically imposing tackle. would be kind of like having a more athletic version of – a more athletic, stronger version of Orlando Brown back there now. And I don't really see anywhere where they could go up and get like um, Olafishanu, Joe Alt. I don't really see that. Those guys would be long gone by then. Really, man, with the tackle class, I just there's no one really even in the middle rounds that has like drawn my interest too much to where I've been like, well, we need to, you know, spend a pick on it. I think honestly for the team, they'd be better off. I mean, it's not ideal, but they'd probably be better off finding another guy to bring in to compete with Wanya Morris out of the bat and then just kind of try to roll like that. It's not ideal. But like you said, whoever they do have out there, it's going to be elevated by Mahomes by the interior offensive line also. So I just that's kind of where I've been at with that. Yeah, it seems like especially this year when you're watching the the offensive tackles, a there's a dearth of right tackles and not a lot of left tackles. Even J.C. Latham hasn't played left tackle. Now Nick Saban was on record saying I didn't move him to left tackle because not because he can't play left tackle, but because he was so good at right tackle. Why create a whole right tackle by moving him to left tackle then I have to go out and recruit a right tackle. So I just left him where I knew that we were solid and awesome. And I went out and recruited a left tackle, whether or not you think that's coach speak or it's actually true. I'll leave that up to you. One thing is JC Latham is the strongest guy in this draft. He's the strongest player in this draft. And even like the top end guys like Olu, you see a lot of guys who are, and I saw this especially with Javon Foster out of Minnesota. Like, like there's a like the profile for Javon Foster, he has the length, the size. He, like you think he should be awesome. And he's not terrible, but there's so many guys that are just strikers instead of blockers in this draft. Like they just so much like they like they like they can't keep their hands on a guy. Like they go, a pass rusher comes at them and they strike them and kind of pop them back. But the guy just then 
does another move and gets around them. Like it's like, and they, and because of that, they get so far overextended. Their balance is bad. Their position, they get out of position. Um, guys like uh, Jordan Morgan are awesome, but he gets beat inside consistently. Like it's it's like it's, they're not they're not agile enough on their feet. Or then you have a guy like Amarius Mims who hasn't ever played football. It seems like like he's like he has a great profile, but he hasn't played in two years, and so there is no tape on him. Like he, like you could watch every snap that Amarius Mims played in ten minutes, and I mean, so how are you going to draft a guy like that um, in the first round? Uh, but Kramer, I, I know that there's gotta be somebody that you're in love with, right? Uh, I'm, I'm not overly impressed with anybody in this offensive uh, tackle side of things. Uh, and that's where I'm, I, that's where I need to look at too, especially if you're looking at the chiefs. Cause I mean, clearly you need a left tackle. Um, when you were talking about, uh, uh Caleb about the, the guy at Oregon state and my, my interest, if you are to like trade up possibly, eh, it, it might be that guy, or it might be a guy like Tyler Guyton out of Oklahoma. I mean, he's only played, he only started five games, but the dude's six, seven, three something. And if he only started five games, it doesn't mean he can't make a project and move him to left tackle. That's the only thing I could think of with him. Other than that, I, ugh, this offensive tackle class is just abysmal. I will say if we're looking for like a possible like mid round project, I know we just talked about how, you know, arbitrary it is to talk about combine measurements the chiefs are going to measure these guys arms and they're going to put extensive stock into how long their tackles arms are so if you start going down the line and all of a sudden like a guy like patrick paul has the most ridiculously long arms you've ever seen in your entire life i would maybe circle that guy as a possible you know andy heck may be getting ready to give him a seal of approval if we can figure out a way to work with it kind of deal so that'd be something to maybe keep an eye on post post combine Oh, 100%. Like, Patrick Paul is a guy who definitely fits that, like, like what the Chiefs are looking for in an offensive lineman, you know, to a, to a T. Kingsley Sumatia is also a guy who fits that profile to a T. And like I said, Javon Foster honestly fits that profile to a T. That's my only question about Talise Fuaga out of Oregon State is would the Chiefs even consider him? Because I'm not sure he has the requisite arm length for what Andy's looking for in an offensive tackle. Do I think that that's going to make him not be a quality tackle in the league? No, I think the guy's awesome. Do I think the Chiefs are going to are going to knock him because his arms are a little too short and say, oh, we would move him to inside? Maybe. Like, Do the Chiefs maybe view him as the best guard in the draft instead of the best tackle and then not draft him because of that? I mean, he's going to be gone before 32 anyway, so it's this is all, you know, this is all just speculation at this point, but that's my only question about Talise Fuaga. Um, but I'm with you. There's I, like a guy like Tyler Guyton, like he has the full profile. He looks, he has the looks. He just doesn't have the experience. We say my concern with Tyler Guyton, which, and I could be wrong or whatever. When you talk to people about, oh, well, why didn't Tyler Guyton have more playing time? They say, oh, well, he was blocked by Wanya Morris last year. Okay. So we're talking about a guy to play instead of Wanya Morris, who was blocked by Wanya Morris in college, right? So we should, if instead of drafting Tyler Guyton, we should probably just give Wanya give Wanya Morris a chance, you know? Like if we're going to go down that route, like that's my only t- that's my only thing with Tyler Guyton. Um, but uh, any last takes on any of these guys? Any other guys you want you guys want to get get off your chest before we uh, transition forward off of the combine? All right. So we can talk more about Lad McConkey if you want to, but I mean, no, no, I'm fine. I'm good. I would rather literally drive a six inch spike through my eyeball. Okay, right Rocky. now. Okay, Rocky. on live video for everybody to see, than talk about Lad McConkey for even Just two out the seconds. Pick. 
Oh my gosh. I swear to God, this I'm only ensuring that the Chiefs are going to draft Lad McConkey at 32 because I'm talking about how much I don't want them to draft Lad McConkey at 32. I can't. Um, wait. Oh my gosh. So, but we're at that at that point in the in the in the in the night where we uh where we talk about our sleepers of the week. So really quick, each week moving forward, we're each going to throw out one quick sleeper of the week and make a uh, a case for why we think the Chiefs should should consider these guys. I'll start off. My guy this week is Renardo Green, cornerback out of um, Florida State. Maybe he's not a true sleeper because he's probably going to go third or fourth round. Um, but the guy excels in press man coverage. Like the guy's six foot one. He's a, he's a stud in press man coverage. He went up against the LSU wide receivers twice. Uh, he went up against Keon Coleman in practice every single day. Um, you, you talk about if we're going to possibly lose Legarius Need. This is the guy in the draft that has the skill set to possibly replace him someday. He's not going to be Legarius Need on day one, but he could he could start as as an outside cornerback at day one. So so my stamp of approval on a sleeper of the week. I'm going with Renardo Green this week. Uh, uh, Caleb, who do you got? I brought him up earlier, but I'm going to go with Braylon Allen. Like I know everyone's going to say he doesn't fit the Chiefs, and to my Comment, I'd be like, so we don't want a running back who can pass block well and has good hands out of the backfield just because he's not shorter than five foot ten and you know he is like a bigger, thicker guy. I'm like having a guy like that back there on third down to be able to protect Mahomes, but then also bust him out in the screen game, let him run some option routes, some choice routes out of the backfield. That would really screw with teams, I think. And I think that if they did end up in a situation where they were able to use him and then they could also like unlock some more of the power running game. Like we mentioned earlier, that would really screw with defenses a lot. I just love his physicality as a player. I think he's going to have a big week. He's just a physically intimidating guy. And that's, you know, that's the kind of guy you want up there, you know, protecting your quarterback on third down and long situations. Ah, I, I love it. I, I, I'm a big fan of Braylon Allen. Honestly, I, I would love to see him in a Chiefs uniform. And and uh, Kramer, looking at uh, our little uh, note we have in the background tracking this, I see I see who you're about to say, and I have opinions, and I want to hear you oh, say man. it though first. Uh, Kramer, Kramer, who's your sleeper of the week? Go ahead. Hey, my my sleeper this sleeper week, week is uh, Dylan Lobby uh, out of uh, New Hampshire, Wisconsin. This is New Hampshire, Wisconsin. What am I doing? The Wildcats out of New Hampshire. This guy, FCS all-purpose yards leader, the last two seasons. I mean, this guy's gonna get. He has a. He has a. A surefire of either running the football, catching the football, or heck, even if he returns punts with the football, this guy can do it all. And this, what, what more does Andy want out of a guy that can do multiple things? Whether if it is special teams, whether if it is catching a, a ball on the slot if he needed him to, or running the football, this is your guy. And thirty-three touchdowns the last two years, impressive. Kramer, you just had to pick out the lad McConkey of the running back class to be to be your your sleeper of the week like like if kramer sandstone had it his way the chiefs team would be made up entirely of five foot ten hundred and seventy five pound white guys like that is like like kramer sandstone wants an entire chiefs team that looks like him like 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 he just wants he just wants him, the chiefs just to draft himself I'm almost six foot every, three okay <laughs> well i mean okay fine whatever fine like you want people that draft your, you want to draft a team of your little brothers then like i mean like you just can't help yourself, and I like this dude a lot, Rocky man. This guy, I like him. I, I like him a lot too. Actually, I think he runs really good routes, and he's great out of the backfield. And I would be more 
on because of where they're going to draft him, which is maybe even as an undrafted free agent. Um, I think Dylan Lobby makes a lot of sense uh, for this Chiefs team. Um, okay, so those are our sleepers of the week. As we start to wrap this thing up, one, one last thing we're going to do real quick is uh, we've talked a lot about how we think a lot of people in the draft community take themselves too seriously, and we're not those guys. And to prove it, we're going to celebrate our biggest misses today, guys that we put our flag in the ground on and we were wrong about. And we're going to call this uh, segment the draft miss conspe- confessional. A lot of times people say draft miss like it's a good thing, like it's like a take on Christmas. No, this is draft miss, M-I-S-S, confessional. Um, where we're going to talk about our biggest misses in the draft and which ones broke our hearts the most. And as the host of this show, I'll start it off. In 2022, I gave Majai Sanders, the uh, defensive end out of um, Cincinnati, a first-round grade. And I thought that he was going to be a pass rush stud, that I thought he was the answer to what the Chiefs needed to to, to compliment Chris Jones and put pressure on the quarterback. And he's on his second team since 2022 with, uh, I think, zero sacks in his career. Um, another miss was uh, Lewis Seen, the safety out of Georgia. I think at the time I sent out a tweet that said, I don't want the Chiefs to draft a safety in the first round. But if they draft Lewis Seen, I'm okay with it. This guy's a stud. He's a can't miss prospect. Um, he's a fourth. He's he's the he's fourth on the depth chart at, at safety, behind an undrafted free agent, and has about 10, 10 uh, special teams tackles to his name since being drafted. And is at risk of being cut this offseason and hasn't been able to stay healthy. And then the one that hurt the most was probably you never forget your first, they say, right? You never forget your first love. And when, as far as this draft game goes of me trying to like scout guys out and predict who's going to be great, it goes all the way back to 2005 for me and running back Ronnie Brown out of Auburn, the running mate of Cadillac Williams. I was convinced that Ronnie Brown was going to be a future hall of famer. And he was a very serviceable back in the NFL, but he was far far from a hall of famer he had one pro bowl to his name in his entire career and i was convinced that this guy was literally like the second coming of walter payton when he came out in the draft and so guys i get some things right i don't get them all right this has been my uh draft miss confessional um caleb i'm passing it to you all right yeah this is my uh second uh season doing the drafty valve for ap this is like probably my this is my fifth year overall doing this kind of draft evaluations in general and i've always been studying it or into it um i'll go back to uh 2022 draft class um i thought arnold ebicady was the truth i watched his film from his games against michigan and ohio state and i thought i was watching a you know some sort of a an avatar just running around the corner on these tackles running, you know, sprinting downfield, running down wide receivers. And I remember I was being vividly upset when the chiefs drafted George Karloftis because in my unintelligent brain, I was thinking, why did we just draft this guy who can only do one thing play hard over this guy that's got all these athletic traits. And now here we sit here a few years later and George Karloftis has been one of the most productive pass rushers from that entire class. He's a two-time Super Bowl champion, and Eva Cady is 
writing. You know, he's not even every down player right now for Atlanta. Um, I mean, I can keep going back. Um, I really liked Ezra Cleveland for some reason. I don't, I think he's a very mid tier guard right now. Not even, not even really a tackle. Um, I, uh, back in 2011, when uh, Harbaugh was at Stanford, I really liked David Yankee a lot. Um, I don't even remember how old I was then. I think I was in like early middle school, but I just remember, uh, you know, watching that guy and I was like, Oh, this guy's probably gonna be like a 10 year veteran. I think he played like maybe three NFL games. Um, you know, we can keep going back. Um, I was a big Clyde guy, big Clyde Edwards, Elaire fan. I was like, Oh, this is just a genius pick. We're going to be unstoppable with him and, Tyreek and Kelsey with all the passes he's going to catch out of the backfield and how durable he is. And, you know, he's maybe not the fastest and that's probably the last time I'll ever say draft a slow running back chiefs. So I don't know anyone that just remember like draft guys and stuff, like every victory lap they take, just know there's like 10 skeletons buried in the closet somewhere for bad takes. That's literally everyone all the way from AP film evaluators up to dudes who get paid to do that professionally in the NFL. Oh, hundred percent. Like, like don't go looking at Mel Kuyper's closet, right? You know, like his, he has a, he has a closet crammed full of bodies. Of, of so does Beach. I mean, yeah. Brett Beach, he's still, I mean, before the back to back, there were people that they could not get over his first draft class. Cause it was a mess. That first draft he had, you know, Breland speaks and Dorino Daniel and that whole crew out of that man that was that was rough but like everyone misses this is basically the biggest crapshoot there is the carious keys and colin powell i mean yeah 100 percent. all right kramer hit us with who's your who's your biggest draft misses so uh just while while you were just talking caleb one guy popped in my mind that when i was growing up watching uh kellen moore i thought he was the second coming of the next greatest quarterback known to mankind i still think he's the greatest quarterback in college football history but that's just me it's a hot take for a different day but um as of recently late uh either it was either 2020 draft or 2021 draft i don't know i usually have to sketch that thing and sh- I'm get it out of my brain but dylan moses the linebacker uh, out of alabama i thought he was going to be the best linebacker coming like He's going to come out there. He's going to be a force then and there. Hasn't even logged a snap in the NFL yet, I don't think at least. I could be fact-checked and be wrong. But, man, I was, I had so much high hopes on him. And also the Auburn cornerback, Noah Ingerbenohi, I think that's how you pronounce it. I don't think so. Um, he was drafted out of Miami, but then now he's in Dallas right now. Hasn't really done much. I thought he was going to be one of the, um, the most elite corners that had to come out of that draft. But, man, I missed on those two guys bigly. Oh Dang man, we said Alabama word. running back. I mean, Alabama linebackers. You, re- I was so in on the Chiefs training for Reggie Ragland. I thought Reggie Ragland was going to be like like a ten year like Ray Lewis like like guy for us in the middle of the defense, and so and we didn't even draft him. Oh man, okay. So everybody misses. Every, nobody gets it right from the top down to the bottom. But we're always going to celebrate our misses here at at Beach Season. So. Celebrating our misses or our future misses, like the people who were willing to say, you know, I know I've been hurt in the past, but I'm, but for you, I'm willing to fall in love again and to, and to say, put my heart out there and, 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 and just to let it get broken. We're going to talk about some guys that, uh, as we wrap up here, who we know that this player is probably going to break our heart, but we're willing 
to to put our flag in the ground on him anyway and say that she should draft him. And so for me, I'm going to start with wide receiver Xavier Leggett out of um, out of South Carolina, um, fifth year senior. Um, I think had 300 yards receiving in his first four years in college, and then explodes this year for about 1,300 yards, seven touchdowns. One of the most productive wide receivers um, in college football was listed at about 6'2", 215, goes to the Senior Bowl, measures 6 feet, 215, so measured at the weight but not at the height. Um, He's an older guy, definitely has that bust potential where this may, like, like, was this year an aberration and or anomaly or and have we seen the best out of him can he or did he did he somewhere in the and and just magically this season find another gear that he's never had before and he's suddenly he just never had an opportunity like this guy has bust written all over him but i watch the tape and i see how physically he plays and i say i want him in a chiefs uniform i don't care i know he's going to break my heart but i'm willing to have my heart broken for xavier like at wide receiver out of South Carolina. Uh Kramer, who's who's going to break your heart this year? I think it's going to be the uh the corner from Ohio, Iowa State, uh, TJ Tampa. I I like this guy a lot. I I've actually for some reason liked a little bit of watching some um, Iowa State football and he always impressed me out there. I know he had only one interception last year, but man, this guy was everywhere when needed to be, breaking up passes, tipping things. So I I like this guy, but he's slow and I think he will break my heart in the NFL. Mm. and he's got such a great name like he sounds like a guy he sounds like a guy who would be in a football movie like not an actual football player but like a guy who's a character in a football movie like oh tj tampa you know with the play you know and you see it's like an oliver stone movie with jamie fox and you know like any given sunday like a character from that maybe the tampa two defense is right for him Mm, maybe tampa two defense is right for him maybe it's because i live in tampa that i'm like oh tj tampa what a crazy name um all right, Caleb, who's your guy? I'm going to go with uh, Masson Smith from LSU. He, I mean, he's young. He's only 21. He's got the six foot six, 315 pound frame. That, like, that's like something I look at very closely because he resembles Chris Jones a little bit. But then you watch him on film, and it's like he can go from being the most dominant player on the field to just looking uninterested, a concerning amount of the time for me. And he doesn't really play his run gaps all the time on defense. I don't think he really has the greatest motor out there right now, but when he's fresh and when he's amped up and playing in a big game and ready to go, there's no one that can really hang with him. I just, it's just one of those things where he'd have to be in the right system, but like I could see, I can see a team like, you know, that's very infatuated with physical traits, drafting him extremely high, and then, you know, him coming in, not being in the right kind of system and just turning into a big flop. I think that that could be a high possibility. I think if he ends up in the right system, though, he could also turn into like an all pro caliber player. He's probably my biggest boomer bust I've looked at so far. Yeah, it almost seems like he's like one of those guys that needs to be in the right locker room. And I know you want like you talk about locker room leadership a lot, but like a guy like Chris Jones who had motor questions as well, who still honestly at times has motor questions today. Um, 
but like having a guy like that who's like listen man like this is this is what it takes to be a champion this is what you need to do uh something like that would be a situation where he probably would succeed um with that being said everybody who's hung with us this entire episode we we love you guys you guys are awesome uh caleb thank you so much for hanging with us and for just coming on beach season and 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 just giving us your dearth and wealth of knowledge and sharing it with us guys uh check out caleb over at ap and all this all this awesome phil breaks downs he does tune in to him and ron at the ap draft room um on fridays they just they do an amazing job if you want a good draft show check them out if you want a fun draft show listen to us um that's basically where we're at with it uh what you got coming up caleb like like, like here's your opportunity what do you want to pimp out yeah, I just had like six defensive tackles to uh, watch the combine. I had that come out on Friday. Working on a little offensive line offseason preview right now. Hopefully that'll be out this week. And uh, like you mentioned, man, me and Ron over there on the you know Friday mornings get started off a little draft content from us. Awesome. And Kramer, as always, buddy, this is this is the funnest I've ever had doing anything in my life is hosting this show with you and and literally like telling you to hush your mouth every time you bring up lad mcconkey i know i I give you a hard time but i love you buddy and this is this is super fun at times i feel like you brought me on the show just to say shut up kramer i'm joking joking or am i i mean you, you could be the heel i mean like 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 stone cold steve austin needed a heel to be continually so i can be your Dwayne the rock johnson yeah, you can be my Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I'll be Stone Cold Steve Austin. You'll be Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Caleb's Hulk Hogan because he hasn't he hasn't no wrestling. So that's a guy that he probably has heard of. So uh so there we go. Um, all right, everybody. This is awesome. Like we said, like thank you so much for tuning in. We love you guys. You guys are great. Um, editor show this week with uh with Pete. I think John's back from vacation. So with Pete and John. Um, then we also have great British cheese shows now on hiatus. I, I, I guessed it on their, on their season finale. I think coast to coast is back though with, um, with Aaron Ladd and, and Mark Gunnels. Other than that, listen to everything we got coming out on the website. Um, thank you for the privilege of your time. If you think that we, that we were a good use of your time, we earned the privilege of your time with this podcast, then, uh, please go out drop us a five-star review. And, and some kind words other than that we'll uh talk to you guys next week we'll hit you up with some combine follow-up other than that be good to each other and we love you guys hey there it's pete sweeney from arrowhead pride and i'm excited to announce a new element of the arrowhead pride experience for diehard chiefs fans it's our brand new newsletter arrowhead pride premiere arrowhead pride premiere is a newsletter delivered to your inbox twice a week from me for fifty dollars you'll get an annual subscription packed with insider coverage from yours truly and new in-depth analysis from voices around kansas city it's all about what i'm seeing and hearing around the team during the season we'll deliver a newsletter ahead of each game to get ready for sunday and a newsletter after after each game to unpack exactly what happened. Subscribe to Arrowhead Pride premiere today at arrowheadpride.com slash subscribe.